Welcome to Flash Fiction from Giant's Reach by Steve Cook. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the second of three episodes of The Messenger. I'm really enjoying getting ready to play a new D&D game. And I'm finding that a lot of the same questions that I ask myself when I'm writing a novel, uh, I'm asking myself now as I get ready to, to DM this game. World building is something I love to do, and um, I sometimes feel that I perhaps do a little bit too much of it. So with this game, I'm starting to um, do a bit less and kind of let the story evolve and grow more naturally. I wonder whether the same approach would work for a novel to kind of let it grow more naturally. Um, it might help the characters to feel more characterful and uh, the setting to sort of evolve. Um, it's different to how I've done it before, but I'll see how it goes. Until then, enjoy this episode. The Messenger Part 2 The manufactory was a red-bricked skull of a building, eyes of dark glass staring down onto the cobbled street. At the very top, two immense chimneys belched vile plumes of smoke into the air, and even from outside the large sliding doors, the noise from the machinery inside was deafening. Artisano looked at the building, then at Wicks. She just shook her head and blinked her golden eyes. Nope, I'm not going in there. They've got a door big enough for you, Artisano said, but it was a weak protest. She simply looked at him, head slightly to one side. Fine, wait here though, I won't be long. He walked up to the large metal door and rapped on it. Almost immediately, a slot opened up at eye height, completely filled with a pair of eyes and a sliver of dirt-blackened face. What? Messenger, for Mr Riggs. Bertram Riggs? The eyes narrowed. Show us it, then. Artisano took the thin white envelope with its heavy wax seal and held it up to the slot. What's it say? It says, for Mr Bertram Riggs. Put it in the slot. I'll make sure it gets there, yeah? I'm afraid it's personal delivery only, Artisano thought back to the children's reaction to the name. And I'm sure that Mr Riggs would be disappointed were anyone to cause its lateness. He is expecting it, I'm sure. The eyes blinked a few more times, and the slots snapped closed. The door slid open just enough to admit him, and with one wistful look back at Wicks, he stepped into the darkness. The atmosphere inside was stifling. Smoke cloyed at his nose, and breathing through his mouth wasn't much better. The very air tasted of dust, a telltale metallic tang. His eyes slowly adjusted to the gloom. Behind the door, on a high stool, was an incredibly short man dressed in a creased shirt and trousers, a fat cigarette dangling from his lips. He gestured one stubby thumb into the darkness and blew out a ring of smoke. He's through in the back, top floor. Artisano nodded and began to make his way through the manufactory. Pillars held up the upper floors and roof, each one made of roughly cast metal, and once between the first pair the messenger could see the workers. They stood at long benches, hunched over their work. 
In the centre lay a trough filled with what looked like stones. By hand they were taking one stone at a time and either breaking it open with a hammer or discarding it. Those discarded went tumbling down a hole in the outer wall. Those with dust in them, it seemed, ended up in a series of buckets that rose on a mechanical pulley system to the second floor. The workers were all filthy and thin, mostly old or infirm, and around them ran children no older or healthier than the two outside had been. Any fragments of stone that fell, they picked up, inspected, and tidied. A set of stairs, wood-bounded in metal, led up towards where most of the noise was coming from. On the next floor, the pulley system was being powered by patchy-furred uplifts turning large wheels, mostly dogs. Others were working grinders, iron wheels that could be turned by handles designed to grind the yellow containing stone down into a powder. There it could be loaded into another pulley bucket system for its upward journey. Artisano caught the yellow eyes of one of the uplifts for a moment, a sickly-looking rabbit. Its ears were ragged, hanging down over its back, and it paused in its work. Before Artisano could say anything, a burly man in a white shirt and braces burst out from a nearby corner. Oi! Back to work, long ears! The man, an enforcer of some kind, carried a pointed metal stick, and as he brandished it, the rabbit shied away. It bent its head, studiously ignoring Artisano, as it turned its assigned handle. What the hell is this place? Artisano swallowed down a feeling of unease that had settled into his stomach and climbed onwards. The top floor came with a wave of heat. Here, great stone cauldrons, ten feet tall, were set up over burners. Humans and uplifts worked at them, stirring the contents with long sticks or adding more bowlfuls of the dust and stone powder mixture. A trio of women made their way from one cauldron to the next, siphoning off bottles of yellow-tinged liquid, all under the watchful eye of a thin man with a piece of wood. Occasionally he would nod, and make a note on a piece of paper fixed to the board. A final set of stairs led up a short way, to a window-lined office. A bulky shape loomed at the back of the office, and Artisano felt the baleful gaze on him all the way up to the office door. He tapped on the glass. Come, the voice inside boomed. Artisano opened the door and walked in. You've been listening to Flash Fiction written for my Patreon, Giant's Reach. If you'd like to become a supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash Giant's Reach, where you can find more fiction just like this, 